Why is there something rather than nothing? And why is the world so obviously messed up? What, if anything, has been done about it? And if anything's been done about it, what is our role to play in it? These are big questions, but I'd like to suggest that these are four questions that summarize the gospel. And I'd like to take this opportunity tonight to unpack these four questions in an effort to reveal the gospel message. So let's start with the first. Why is there something rather than nothing? Well, we know that God always was, he is, and he always will be. God is a perfect trinity, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is love, he is alive, and he's lacking nothing. He needs nothing because he's perfect in himself. And so when he decided to create the universe, he did so not because he needed it, but because he loved us into existence. God chose to create purely out of generous love. And as he created the heavens and the earth, the pinnacle of his creation was man and woman. Because man and woman were to image God. They were created in the image and likeness of God. They were created for relationship with one another, for friendship. They were created for relationship with God. And in short, they were created to be divinized, to be like God, because they were the pinnacle of God's creation. That is why there is something rather than nothing. That is why we exist rather than there being just a pure black hole. Because God willed it so out of his love. So with that said, why is the world so obviously messed up? Because the picture I just painted for you doesn't seem to be a whole lot like the world that we live in. It doesn't seem to match up with our human experience. Why is the world so messed up? Because someone was jealous. Someone was envious of the great gift that God gave to man and woman. That someone was Satan. You see, Satan was an angel. And although an angel was created as a higher being, it was not created in the image and likeness of God. Angels were not the pinnacle of God's creation. And one angel in particular was extremely jealous of the human person, and that was Satan. And he sought to destroy that creature by implanting lies into their minds, creating doubt in their relationship with God, casting God as a character of suspicion, convincing man and woman that God is not a good and loving father, and he should not be trusted. And then 
entered sin into the world. Man and woman turned against God and continued to turn against God by their sin. Why is the world so obviously messed up? Because sin is real. Sin is so real. We know this to be so. And sin harms us. Even private, hidden sins, they destroy us. They destroy ourselves. They destroy our relationships with others. They destroy our experience with the rest of creation. And ultimately, they destroy our relationship with God. And it has continued to be so in every century. The world is messed up because of sin. So what, question three, what, if anything, has been done about all this? Ever since the first sin, God has gone out of his way to convince us that he is worth trusting to convince us that he really is who he says he is, that he truly is a good and loving father desiring what's best for us, and that he is worthy of our confidence and our commitment. God went out of his way to reveal himself to Abraham. He went out of his way to set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt. He went out of his way to lead them through the desert with great patience, with all their grumbling, into the promised land. He went out of his way to build up a mighty kingdom under his servant David. But even still, after all of these acts of mercy, man continued to turn away from God. Man and woman continued to sin, to distrust God as a father. Until finally God decided that the only thing powerful enough to rescue man and woman from this slavery to sin would be himself. So God became man, Jesus Christ. And although he did not sin himself, he exposed himself to the consequences of sin. He was persecuted, rejected, misunderstood, betrayed beaten, suffered, and died for us on a cross. And as he hung upon that cross and entered into death, he conquered it by the power of his divine love. And in so conquering death, opened up the gates to eternal life and effectively rescued us from the powers of Satan. But this rescue is only offered to those that are willing to accept it. Only to those that are willing to trust God as a father. Because God does not want to force himself upon anyone. But he invites everyone into this redemption. What, if anything, has been done about the messed up world? God, in his love, has rescued us. From Satan. So, what is our role? Our role is given to us in today's gospel. On the night before Jesus died, he gave his apostles this one commandment 
this one commandment that summarizes all of the other commandments of the Old Testament and the New. To love one another as I have loved you. We know this type of love is so much more than emotions. This type of love is so much more than an infatuation with another person. This type of love is a promise. This type of love is a commitment. This type of love hurts because it makes a sacrifice for the good of another person. This is the divine love that God loves us. It's the agape love, the love that loves until the end, even unto death. And Jesus commands us to imitate this type of love. He doesn't just invite us. He doesn't just paint a picture for us for the few that might accept it. He commands us, all of his disciples, to live in this kind of love, a love without limits, a love that gives everything because God gave everything for us. That's the gospel in four questions. Why is there something out of nothing instead of nothing? Because God willed it so out of his love. Why is the world so messed up? Because Satan was jealous of that love. What has been done about it? God rescued us from the snares of Satan by his love. And what is our role to play in it? To love with the same love that God has for us. It's a big task, and it's our question for us today. Are you willing to love without limits? That kind of love is hard. This is the kind of love that chooses to forgive even those that don't deserve to be forgiven. This is the kind of love that seeks to serve even those that are difficult to serve. This is the kind of love that chooses to suffer willingly for the sake of someone else's benefit. This is the kind of love that chooses to die to your own selfish pleasures and own selfish preferences for the sake of someone else's salvation. This love is hard. It's a love without limits. But God calls you and me into this kind of love. In today's second reading, we hear from the book of Revelation, Behold, I make all things new. That's God's words to us. And for centuries, ever since Jesus died on that cross, Christians have been making this world ever new, transforming this world by the power of God's divine love. And the same task is given to you and me. Yeah, sure, Satan's still at work. Division, destruction, lies, all of that is still happening, but it cannot stand to the everlasting love of agape. You and I have a real task to transform this world and to make it new. And the only thing effective enough is God's love.
Will you choose to love without limits? It's a love that costs everything. But we will gain eternal life. Amen. Amen. Amen.